Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. I really believe in the magic of life. There's just magic everywhere, and if we open ourselves up to that, it can touch us. Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. It does not matter what you've done, the angels will always find your light. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. There is a world out there, and we are part of, not separate from that world. I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. I wanted people to know that they could heal themselves, that they weren't stuck with whatever it is they had. They were not stuck. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi, everybody. I'm Colette Baron-Reed, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today on Inside the Wooniverse. Angels, we are going to be talking about angels today. We've heard about them both in the mainstream and on the fringe, and right here in the Wooniverse is where we are going to talk about them today. They appear in virtually every type of ancient religious or spiritual text. They're in some of the most sacred and priceless works of art and even have an entire genre onto themselves in Hollywood films. If you've ever wondered just what is an angel, how does the angelic realm work, and how can we communicate with these beings or feel their presence? Well, today we're speaking with one of my favorite people on the planet, angel expert, author, teacher, yogi, oracle creator, and recording artist, Kyle Gray. Now a little bit more about Kyle. He's an international speaker and best-selling author of seven books, including the much-loved Angel Prayers and Raise Your Vibration, and the co-creator of five oracle card decks, including his latest, Gateway of Light Activation Oracle. And he's written and performed and recorded my most favorite meditation track that is always on repeat. I listen to it at least twice a day. It's called Breathe My Dear. Welcome, Kyle, you rock star, you. (laughs) (laughs) Has to be the best introduction I've ever had in my entire career. (laughs) Well, listen, let's just jump into this because you have such a phenomenal story that I really want everybody to know. I mean, today we know you as all of those things that I said. You're super successful. You are so loved. I mean, I've worked with you too on stage. You are outrageously phenomenal. But you know... I wonder if people really know your story. So as you were growing up, I want to know about your spiritual awakening because you just didn't get born and all of a sudden became an angel expert. You had to go through something to get to where you are. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that, especially when you were young. Yeah, sure. I guess my story started very young. I had, uh, you know, I grew up in a normal household in the West Coast of Scotland. And when I was around three and a half years old, I got a really bad flu. And the bad flu, like, really wiped me out. And then one morning I uh, woke up and I couldn't move my legs. And it turned out I had um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is an autoimmune response. It's a virus that attacks the nervous system. And in order to protect itself, it switches off. And uh, so I spent the next um, 11 months or so kind of 
in paralysis and having to rehab out of this virus. Wow. And uh, it was during that time I started to develop sensitivity. It started with being able to feel what was going on in the next room because I couldn't run like I normally would. And I would always, you know, try and intuit what was happening next door. I developed really clear hearing where I can really hear well, like beyond the walls. And um, even smell was another skill that I really developed to a point that became a bit of a curse growing up because I smell... <laughs> I can almost see smells before I smell them, you know. Oh, that's cool. Um, So that's how it all started. And at the same time, my grandmother also was in a wheelchair. So we're both in wheelchairs. And she moved in with us in her family home because my mother became a nurse to both of us. And my grandmother's health sadly deteriorated and my health improved. It was almost like she took away all my pain. Oh, wow. And... uh, I remember one night she'd been moved to hospital and a neighbor called Margaret was looking out for me and uh, she was she was like an adopted auntie, you know? Yeah. And she was like a devout Catholic and uh, she used to take me to chapel and light candles with her. So there was a kind of installation of spirituality from her. And I remember falling asleep with the light on, waking with the light off, just like you when you were little. And my grandmother was at the bottom of my bed And she flipped me on my belly and she tickled my back. And I remember just feeling so loved and so cherished. And uh, I remember the week so clearly because it was the same week I was starting school. And my parents also like split up the same week. And the, the next morning when I was looking for my grandmother, and by this point I was walking again, um, I couldn't find her and it turns out she'd actually passed away. So when you described your grandmother tickling your belly and turning you over, she was in spirit. I didn't know she died yet. Oh, wow. I love this. I then said to my mother, and she can remember this, I was like, where's Nana? And she's like, she couldn't answer me because it was obviously her mother. And I was like, where's Nana? And my mom's like, oh, she's not coming home. She's not coming home. And I was like, but she came home last night. She was in my room. (laughs) And so there was like a lot of kind of questions and everyone's like, oh, he must have been dreaming. And later on that day, it was revealed to me that she'd actually passed away. And the way my parents told me was, your Nana's away to heaven, you know? And from that moment on, I've questioned life as it was. I've always been like, if we go to heaven, why did I see her? And so like that was mm-hmm. like an age-old question that haunted me my entire adolescence, you know? It was just all the way through being a child and uh, into teenage years, I was like on this search to figure out what was beyond, you know? You had a lot of anxiety too, right? When you were a a teenager and how did you manage that? And how did you protect yourself in your neighborhood? I know that you had a lot of... Yeah, I was kind of overly sensitive. I've always been a mummy, a mummy's boy and I'm still a mummy's boy. And I've always kind of been in this kind of wrapped up relationship with my mother and uh, was in some way problematic for me in many ways because I I always relied on the, the strength of the mother growing up. And it made me a bit of a, it made me cower in school and run away from things and be really scared without her. It really, it bothered me. And I always felt a bit of a, an outsider in school and growing up. And I was always that, you know, overly sensitive kid. Things kind of started to change. I got to my teenage years 
And I had many psychic experiences growing up, but I'd never really put them together. Right. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer came on TV. I must have been about <laughs> 11 or 12. I became like transfixed on this TV show to the point I started dressing like the characters. And, <laughs> I love it. You know, yeah. I felt like I wanted to be one of them. And that's what really sent me down the, the road of magic and mm -hmm. the mysterious and all that kind of stuff. And that introduced me to crystals. And that's one of the big things that became a part of my life before angels became prominent was crystals. So I'd also have crystals in my pockets and and it was like, my I believed that they would protect me. And that was something that really got me through uh, an anxious time. Uh, yeah. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for how difficult high school is. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let me ask you a question about that because I know you actually train, I think you have a training program now in crystal healing. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's more successful than the angel program. Which yeah. Is I mean, we're going to talk about all of it because I do think, uh, I mean, I am also a crystal yeah. maniac and have them everywhere. And I even have a, an Oracle card deck, Crystal Spirits. But for you, yeah, yeah. I want to know... For you, why were they so powerful for you? Is it because did they speak to you? Did they, because you obviously tuned in because you're hypersensitive and I believe they're alive. Mm. So what do you believe? Yeah, yeah, I believe crystals have this kind of over soul. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's really what you were tuning into and you created yeah. Crystal Spirits Oracle, you know, like this essence, like a deva inside of it. Yeah, so it all kind of started before Buffy, though. Uh, a friend in school went to Africa and she brought me back a tiger's eye. I must have been about eight or nine years old. And that thing stayed in my pocket every day of school, like all the way up until high school. And I just learned that it was a, a, a protective stone. And I just, it, I just instantly believed there was no questioning that this had a property to it. Yes. You know, and so that was like my initial. And then my, because my, both my grandparents passed away when, when I was super young, my cousin's Nana let me call her Nana. And um, she bought me one of those guardian angel pendants, uh -huh. uh, uh, pins for my blazer. And it, it had a crystal in it and it was amethyst and that was my birthstone. So it was like, little increments of information. Um, and then when I was 15 years old, my my mother was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, I want to study crystal healing. <laughs> really? That's funny. Yeah, what, yeah. Can you imagine other kids would be like, I want a new car. And you're like, I'd like to study crystal healing, please. <laughs> and my mother actually bought me like the, a, a diploma training in crystal therapy wow. uh, for my Christmas that year. That is so cool. So how did the angels walk into it? Because I, I think what I love about you is that you are so multifaceted and people tend to put people in one box, right? So, right. but you know, you have had also such a profound uh, relationship to the angels. And mm -hmm. I think you even went to divinity school for a bit, right? No, or, I, no you didn't? I was about to you go. You were about to go, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was maybe going to happen. And then there was another avenue. Right. So um, when was your first and most amazing, maybe it was a combined experience, crystals and angels? And when did all of a sudden... They were all happening around the same yeah. time. I had already had an angel experience when I wanted to go and study crystal therapy. Uh, what had happened is the, the year before, I was 14 years old, and my dad had a, had a girlfriend at the time who was a Reiki master. And um, she knew I was super interested in 
crystals. And um, she said, what about angels? And I had grown up in a loosely Christian household, but my mum's sister married the pastor. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I went to like newborn Christian Sunday school from the age of four till 15. I had been turned off by Christianity for many reasons. But one day, one of my cousins who was a Sunday school leader said to me, you know, Kyle, it's God or Buffy. And you, it's you God have or Buffy? <laughs> Come on, that's hilarious. I was genuinely <laughs> obsessed. I mean, I have a poster on the wall right now in my lounge of my home, like Buffy and the Lost Boys. Like I was so into oh that. My God. I love Buffy and, and the Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, and Stevie Nicks. Like that's my. Oh my. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and and then she said, "No, angels are beyond religion, mm-hmm. and we can communicate with them. You have your own guardian angel." And she was so sure about it. And she said, come on upstairs, I'll let you pick an angel card. And I was like, what's an angel card? She's like, they are these cards that are based on positivity and you can pick one and it brings you guidance. And I was like, whoa, that sounds so cool. Uh And I remember like going upstairs and she had the velvet bag with the velvet Mm -hmm. claw. You know, we've all got one. Yeah, we have. Um, (laughs) And my first card was the word synchronicity and I'd never even heard of it before. Mm. Instantly, I became transfixed on the idea of angels. I remember going to the library the next day or so and printing out all this information on angels and getting books on them. And for my birthday that year, she bought me angel cards. Uh, So I'm now 15, then discovered Hay House, like all at that time. Uh I was like giving it all. And then that summer, I started to get really good at angel cards. But I would just say this card means this and this card means that. There was like, I was a card reader. But this one day I went to a family friend's barbecue that my mum's friend was hosting. There was a gay couple there. I'd never met them before and they were wanting an angel card reading. So I set up shop on a picnic bench (laughs) in the yard and I was doing readings for everyone. And this one particular reading for the one of the guys was so powerful and it's what let me see angels were real. I uh, had him you know, sit outside and I had the angel cards. I've got to sit here and I was like, you know, put your your hands on top of the cards. I like to get my people to put their hands on the cards, mm-hmm. like to just hold them, you know, so hands on the cards. And I was like, just think about anything you would like to hear about or guidance. And in my head, I was doing what every psychic has done their whole entire life. Please let me be right. Please let me be accurate. <laughs> That's right. you know? Please don't let me say something wrong. <laughs> Give me something that will make them know that I'm real, you know, all that stuff. And the weirdest thing happened. I started to hear uh, music in my mind and it was Destiny's Child, the song Survivor. And I was like, can you hear what's going on? And, And they're like, no. I'm like, can you not hear that music? And they're like, no. And I was like, I can hear Destiny's Child Survivor and I feel like it's for you. So this was all happening supernaturally. And I then said this prayer that changed the whole thing. I just said, if there's an angel here, and I was very particular about my words, I went, thank you for revealing your presence. And it was like time froze. I saw this pinpoint of light coming towards me. It makes my hair stand on edge every time. And all of a sudden there was this pillar of light standing behind the man and it had like a it was like a pillar of light and the presence kind of came out of it 
Right. And it looked like the movie Cocoon, if you've ever yeah, seen that. The that's how I see them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like oh. all made of light and filaments of light. This right. like webs of light and filaments of light. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand this. And they had these like really deep eyes, like as dark as the midnight sky, you know, and then all I heard was, tell this man he is the survivor. Like that was so direct. And I went, there's an angel standing behind you right now and it's just told me to tell you that you're a survivor. And he's like, what do you mean I'm a survivor? And all these images just started playing in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, you know this. Yes, you, know. you receive it. It's a reception. Right. So you're getting this like moving. I, I'm going really fast. I'm like, it feels like you've not wanted to be here. It feels like you don't feel you belong and you've tried to leave and you've been kept here. Like this is what's coming out. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've had enough. I've had enough. This is too much. This is too heavy. And I was like, whoa. And so in that instant when he said, I've had enough, it, was it. it just all stopped. And then later on that evening, it was revealed to the person that had the barbecue what had happened. And they then called my mother. And it turns out this guy had tried to take his own life like several times. Like, and there was these really spooky interventions that stopped it from happening. That's incredible. And so... That was it. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I then said to my mom, the most weirdest sentence that any 15 year old should say, I went, this is what I was put on the earth to do. You know, I was so certain. And my mom was like, what do you mean? Like, she was like, so freaked out. <laughs> I can imagine. It's, yeah, I understand. You know, and then very quickly, when you live in a small town, people hear about these things. And so people then started contacting my mother. This was before social media, right? Right, I get it. And they're it. like, is your son the boy who can see angels? I want to see him. I want to meet him. The boy so who can see angels. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of started going to this local spiritualist church to train in mediumship, but they didn't really do the angel thing. Right. And every time I was doing mediumship, demonstrations or like learning the mediumship method, I always saw more than just dead people. And I was seeing angels and the president of the company was like, no, we don't do angel stuff here. You have to do mediumship. So I ended up kind of backdooring readings for a while. That's funny. Um, <laughs> and uh, she actually kicked me out uh, for, for doing that. For the lack of purity. Yeah. Yes, I understand that. I want to ask you another question here because um, this is fascinating. I want to go back a couple of steps. Sure. When you said the prayer, do you think that that praise in advance, the thank you in advance is the key to unlocking the presence of the angels? That was it. And, and that's like what's went on to become predominantly my work with the angels. And I think if I can leave behind something like as my legacy it is the the affirmative prayer you know that method of instead of saying please because when you're doing that it's from a space of lack whereas I was so sure there was a presence there and so the thank you for revealing it gave that energy permission to fully reveal and I think there was another magic in it and it was the willingness to be vulnerable and willingness to be seen because when I look back, it wasn't actually about me seeing the angel. To me, it was about allowing myself to be seen by the angel. 
Oh, interesting. Because you are seen in all your entirety by an angel. Right. And I was like, all the, the parts of ourselves that we're so afraid of showing to the world is often the psychic shields that stop us from having spiritual experiences. And so I was in some way willing to go to that naked space yeah. um, in order to let the angel through. Okay, so there's so many really good things you just talked about. So the psychic shield, you know, when you think about how we all try to protect ourselves, so we can't be seen, right? I mean, many of us, those many masks that we build is what it sounds to mm -hmm. me that you're saying. Um, right. So now you've allowed yourself to be seen by an angel. You became a scholar of angels because that is one thing I do know about you. You know so much about the scholarly understanding of angels. You studied them. But what was your favorite one that you've connected with all these years because you're not 15 anymore. <laughs> you've had 15 <laughs> years or more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like my favorite ever angel I've ever... Yeah, like the favorite angel experience. That's a really great question. There was, um, gosh, there's so many, many experiences of actually having like physical presence. But I'll never forget when I was creating the Ancestors Oracle, I thought the deck was done. And um, I remember I was in bed. I was in my apartment in Glasgow at the time. And I heard the downstairs door, like, go. And this was like crazy o'clock in the morning. And I was like, whoa. And so like all psychics, you know, you have to go, is that a physical person or is it some sort of spiritual <laughs> presence yeah. that's coming yeah. in? And I knew there was an angel coming and it, they were doing it very physically. And then this angel appeared in my bedroom and it was this like black woman angel. And she had like this inspector gadget coat on, you know, it was <laughs> And she went like this, and there was all these, like, vials in it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, thank you for being here. And that's, that's the way I always speak to angels. I speak to them in a really respectful way. I'm like, thank you for bringing your presence to me. Like, I'm kind of, the spiritualist training has done something, mm -hmm. you know? Like, And I said, um, what brings you here today? You know, like, that's the way I spoke to the angel. And the angel said, do not forget about me. I am the magic guardian, and then disappeared. Whoa, that's even better than Buffy. <laughs> well, I was, I was, she said, I am the magic guardian. And then like, it was, I was like, and then I then like meditated on it the next day. And the magic guardian is this angel that oversees the energy of magic. And she helps direct the will in order to create. And, uh, oh. I was, Okay, we got to dial this back one second now because you're saying so many cool things. Okay, so you, the, the okay, how does magic work? So people are all going to wonder like, what was in the vials? Like, or, or was it just, you don't know? Okay, so. I, I don't know, yeah. I um, I tried to get the artist to recreate her. Um, in your, in your deck, the, right? In the deck, right? Because yeah. I thought it was done. And so it took us through this really uneven number. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, I'm going to And that's have the to Ancestors Oracle? Angels and Ancestors? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. So wait, though, because you talked about magic, like the she's the guardian of magic. So I want you to define magic for everybody because we know we're not talking about pulling a rabbit out of a hat. No, no. For me, magic is that, that force of energy that is you can direct it with will, you know, it's a force of energy that essentially is neutral. And so that's why I think a lot of people can use that power in not so great ways. And I think people can use it in, in great ways, but whatever way you do use it, it will always teach you a lesson. Mm -hmm. Like that's the 
your thing. And so the magic guardian seems to be like this presence or entity or angel that in some way ensures it's being distributed in a way that's going to bring a lesson. So what's the greatest lesson that you've experienced working with the angels? The biggest lesson that I've learned is that no physical thing can ever dial me into happiness, you know? Yes. When I first started to work with the angels, I I was receiving a lot of demonstrations of like really cool things happening, like this and that and manifestations. And and then somewhere along the way, you know, like when I started praying to the angels and working with them, I'd ask for this and I'd ask for that. And then I was kind of feeling an emptiness with it. And I was like, angels, you know, why is this happening? And... I remember receiving this message, something along the lines of, you're trying to fill a space that can never be filled. It was just something along those lines. And ever since that day, I've stopped asking for specific Mm -hmm. things. I I don't have a manifestation goal or, you know, or anything like that. And I just surrender my day every day to the angels with the knowing that the best will unfold anyway. Like that's the way I do it. And everything I've ever wanted, need, and more has always been given to me. I love that. I mean, I think, too, some of the issues with the quote-unquote conversation about manifestation is thing-oriented. Mm. So I always look at it as the essence of the experience that you want to have right. as opposed to the other thing. But I love that. Yeah, and then surrender the form. You have to just surrender the form. Right. I have another question that I'm wondering if this ever happens to you. Do you ever have a difficult day where you can't connect? You know, it's so funny. So I was having a really hard day yesterday and yeah, I can still feel the field, uh, which I call it the field now. When I was younger, angels used to appear like very singular. Right. And now, now when I tune into angels, it's more like a consciousness. I connect um, to them as a collective. Right, a collective. Yeah, it's a, a collective. collective. It's like, you know, it's consciousness. There's There are many fragments or figments of intelligence within that field. And so when I go into the field, it's like I can feel my ancestors. I can feel parts of myself from previous lifetimes. And I can feel the angels. And I go there every day and I spend, you know, I have a really tight meditation practice. You know, I'm a, I'm a 40 minutes a day kind of person, you know, like you know, like really tight and I can feel it every time and it doesn't matter what's going on. I can still get there. Um, so I find that really, really awesome. So you've never you had know. a day where you had a hard time connecting? When I was younger, I used to find a difficulty and it was because I was basing my connection on the capacity to give evidence to people. Right. You know, like give them a message, give them a reading. Some days I've never, some days I've tried to do readings and it's just not been there. But as before, it did feel like that because of that. There is a subtle difference is what I'm hearing you say. So let me ask you this then. So let's go back to what I believe is 1000% why you are always connected, which is your tight meditation practice. It's 100% that, yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah, it's evolved over the years. I've always had a, a silent meditation and then I started doing the Kundalini meditation. I'm on day five, five, seven of <laughs> 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 one broken practice. But for me, uh, when when I whenever I meditate, I always um, just have a moment where there's just silence. Just let whatever needs to be be. 
And I'm not trying to do anything and I'm not trying to experience anything. It's just I'm there. Uh-huh. And sometimes that'll be, I'll feel like there's a presence there. Sometimes it's just, I'll just cry my eyes out and be in my own feelings. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's shifted over the years is the recognition that unless I'm willing to listen to me, I'll never be able to hear my angels. And so when I'm meditating, I'm giving my own self and my own mind permission to just be what it needs to be and do what it needs to do. And through being able to recognize that, listen to it, feel it, I then crack open the connection to the divine. Do you find too that uh, you you must experience the monkey mind every once in a while? Like I have a chatterbox that goes and I have yeah. to just let it go. Like it just has to go babbling away until it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the mantra meditation of, has become like a thing for me because when you're fixated on this, saying the same word over and over and over again, for some reason the monkey mind just like switches off. And it's weird because I start to go places when I'm doing mantra meditation. I'm still doing the mantra, but I'm like on a journey. What mantras are your favorite ones? So I, I do the one Vaheguru, uh, Vaheguru, 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 Vahegio. And I'm doing that for like 11 minutes constantly. And what does that mean? It means, um, wow, great teacher within, Ooh. the remover of darkness. Yeah, so um, gu, it means darkness, and ru means light, so the remover of darkness. Wahe, and wa is like, um, wow, wow. Oh, yeah, I love wow. that. That's your favorite yeah. one that you do for 11 minutes? Yeah, it's my favorite, favorite one. And um, I also, uh, I've been doing this new thing recently. I chant Elohim. Oh, you know, I love the, Elohim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been, I think we're going we're gonna to record it. Oh, I and hope I've so. Been, chanting, I like close my eyes and I roll my eyes up and in and I'm like looking at the third eye and I'm constantly chanting Elohim. And um, I've been feeling like these, that's been really powerful for angelic energy. So let me, let me ask you, everybody's been having a really tough time lately. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest, right? And uh, I'm just coming out of my Saturn return. Right, exactly, right? So, so I, I like to call that critical mind, the, the little inner critic, the goblin, right? That hasn't, it's homeless and we've somehow disowned it, the disowned personality, et cetera. Do you have anything that comes up and that you can share how you manage when you have those difficult, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that rise up? And then how do you how do you cope with that? How do you manage it? Oh, yeah, I speak directly to it. I have like a full-on conversation with, you want to call it ego or the negative mind. I actually see my ego as, you know, Will and Grace? Yeah. <laughs> do you know Karen from yeah. Will and Grace? Yeah. He's kind of like wiki and kind of, that's, that's mine. <laughs> I feel like my ego has like Prada shoes on and like is a, like a high-end kind of... That's hilarious. Prada. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I always just speak speak directly to it. And I'm like, thank you so much for sharing what you're sharing. like, And thank you for giving me the opportunity to remember how much I care about whatever you're speaking about. So whenever the ego gets loud, it, it always fixates on something that is important. 
you know? Yeah, or it thinks it's important. Specifically, like, fears or concerns, it usually is because I really care about the situation or where it's going. And, yes, yeah, so I always just say, thanks for sharing and thanks for your opinion. Because I think the moment you start to fight with your ego mm -hmm. is the moment you create a war in your own energy field. Yep. Yep. And that is not the space that is um, magnetic to the angelic. And so I'm always thinking... How can I be softer? How can I be more easy? How can I be less? Resistance. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. I love that you did the dialogue. I do that too. So um, I remember the first time that I had my experience with, I decided I'd call up my ego, see what I thought it was going to be this gorgeous being or whatever. And it was Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> really? Mr. Potato Head with a sign around its neck that said fat. Really? <laughs> I didn't have to have broad yeah, shoes. Wow, doesn't it? Yeah, right? So it was like, oh, that was a shock. I totally expected something else. But that whole concept of however it shows up for us to be able to talk to it. And you're right, isn't it about love? It's about more love. So you have this amazing program. Kind of you put all of your skills, if you will, into helping people to raise their vibration, right? Because isn't this true that if we're in those difficult spots that resistance bots or, you know, those kind of internal dialogue that's critical or challenging, our vibe is lower, right? I mean, we, if, right. We're, if we're in there. So let's talk about um, what do you think people really need these days to, and, and what's the resistance to raising their vibes? Yeah, I, I think even just the fact that we speak about vibes in such easy conversation these days, I'm friends with a lot of people from high school still and I'm friends with a lot of like sneakerheads and they're not necessarily interested in anything that I do or even kind uh -huh. of have a clue what, what I'm up to. And yet they all use the word vibe. Right. Oh, it's a weird vibe. And I'm like, whoa, it's, it's really caught on. Like yeah. human it's beings are really aware that their vibe, their vibration. Their energy. It's energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can change. And, you know, I think what's really cool is if you look at it this way, all of us um, have walked into a space one day and someone's having, you know, a dog of a day, a bitch of a day, you know, and everyone knows about it. But we also know what it's like to walk into a room and everyone's having a great time and the infectiousness of it. And the funniest part is we've all been both of those people. Yeah. And that in itself is a clear indication that we know what it's like to be influenced by the presence of someone else, but we also know what it's like to influence our presence on someone else. So right there when you say that we know what it feels to be influenced, and, and so what are your thoughts on the collective influence right now, and what can we do about it so that we move from the conditioning that the collective mm. is throwing on us, and how do we get more into that influential space? In a way, it's almost like getting into the magic of it. Right, so I've, I've been really really focused on that in the last while, um, having direct conversation with the, the angelic. And I'm saying, you know, angels. But that was my first thing. I was like, angels, the world's kind of in a funny space. Like, what, what am I supposed to do about it? And the angels were really clear. They were like, face your own darkness. Face your own darkness. Let's just, ooh. And I was like, whoa. Okay, <laughs> you know, and the angels then said, when you face your own darkness, you remove darkness from the world. And I was like, whoa, so they were really clear that if we are harboring our own darkness, whatever parts of ourselves that we've not faced, that that's our 
energetic contribution to the planet. So is that shadow work, would you say? Right, shadow work. And also like anything that's is in the depths of our being, you know, like the, the parts of ourself that we've not expressed, the emotions that we've not felt, you know, anything that's just the gifts that we've not allowed to be in the light, all that stuff. And the shadow, as you know, is also the parts of ourselves that we're unwilling to claim as our own story. Sure. You know, so when we actually do that stuff, we're removing darkness from the world. And so it's through our own process that we can actually contribute a greater light. And the reason the angels have, have been so fixated on that in the messages I've heard is it's because when we feel more safe, the earth feels more safe. There's a synergetic relationship there. And I think that, as you know, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people, yeah. And there's a lot of projection too, because when you have no space or when you're unwilling to face your shadow and it gets triggered, it's really an invitation to look. It's not even there to hurt you. It's like, hey, go take a look inside. Remember, it's like, do that work. Look Mm -hmm. in your own darkness and then alleviate it. So let me ask you, how can we bring more love to the world, do you think? I think um, it's, it's about being willing to see other people's radiance, Um, I call it creating the angelic worldview, like being able to see the world through the eyes of the angels, because it does not matter who you are um, or what you've done, the angels will always find your light. And um, when I'm seeing people who are even maybe difficult, I'm like, I'm I'm willing to see your light. I'm willing to, to really see who you are. Yeah. And would you say that brings more humility just in doing that? Right. Because when we're not right and they're wrong, it's we are together, Mm -hmm. right? Isn't that a way to uplift our humanity? Is that what you think? Yeah. And I think the moment that you start to make someone less holy than you is the moment you lose your own holiness, you know? So that's really, that can be challenging, you know, especially if there's a particular differ of opinion or approach to life or whatever. And I think the last few years has been a real opportunity to see the world differently, to see other people differently, and to also get to the the root of who people are. I see a lot of people like, the earth is punishing us. And I'm like, no. (laughs) No, the earth is not. Yes, we're we're punishing ourselves. ourselves. (laughs) 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 So if you were to look at 2022, because we have a a brand new year here, we're we're into the new year already, what would be your most precious goal, if you would, for yourself and for your service? That's a really great question. I don't know, I'm not sure I know the answer. Um, I'll say this, you know, 222 is an angel number. It's in the year. I know it's a six overall numerology, but the the 222 is interesting because 222 is about the recognition of your influence. Um, So one is about oneness. So you see 111 on the clock or, you know, as an angel number, it's about oneness and the unity. But two is about your influence, like me and them. And, yeah. and it's about realizing that everyone else out there is also you. And 
what how you're treating yourself is how you're treating your neighbor and how you're treating your neighbor is how you're treating yourself so i i feel like that's a big opportunity on a on a spiritual level this year uh-huh and yeah i also know a little bit of the astrology of the year <laughs> and i'm hoping the jupiter energy is going to be more influential than the saturn <laughs> but we'll see me <laughs> i love it i love it so is there a gift or a skill you want to hone in on more for yourself? I know you're really focusing on helping people raise their vibration and, and really teaching that. That's our goal this year is just is to, to teach people about raising their, their vibration. And it's just about making that conscious choice to be the love in the room everywhere you go. And I'm really working on that too, you know. I, I think um, a lot of people have noticed that I'm, I'm less reactive than I ever mm -hmm. have been. I've like really honed in. Um, and I think it's just because of personal circumstances and challenges and stress moments, I've really been able to like, okay, just hold it, yeah. hold it. It makes me, as you know, bad at texting back or being instantaneous the way I used to be like super reactive. I'm not as much anymore. And I like that. And I want to show that to other people. I'm like, we don't have to always react in the moment, just hold it together. Now, you have something fabulous. You have a special kit. Is oh, that yeah. right? That Let's talk about that. Yeah, I made a, I made a high vibe toolkit last year because I, I, I'm all about service. And, and that is something that I've always tried to do is I always try and create three things all year round. And yeah. I made this like toolkit that's available all year round. And it's got like three manuals, three meditations, three tutorial videos all inside. And then when you sign up for it, you get my angel message every Monday as well. So I'm going to sign up for it too. So <laughs> anybody want that, go to kylegray.co.uk. Mm. Um, anyway, Kyle, thank you. Thank you for having me. Fantastic conversation. I adore you. And what a fascinating man you are. You are bringing so much joy and light and wisdom to all of us. And uh, wow, what a treat to have you. Thank you for having me. Mwah. Take care. So what did we learn today? Well, I know what I learned today. I learned that the angels are always there, that we have to trust that there is a presence that loves us, that is in alignment with us, that wants to help us, that when we're in alignment with spirit, we can do anything. We can create the kind of world that we want if we are willing to look at our shadow, that not to bypass it, then the difficulties come up. That's an invitation for us to love ourselves more, have a little chat with it, do our inner work, and then one person at a time, we can heal the world. Thank you for listening and for stepping inside the Wooniverse with us. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Take care. Be well. Time to share the way we love. Become the ones we're dreaming of. You've been listening to Inside the Universe with Colette Baron-Reed. This episode was recorded at Universal Network Studio by Chris Dupuy. A special thanks to our executive producer, Connie Deletti, and our producer and story editor, Julie Fink. Audio post and supervision by Michael Seifert and David Shaw at Sumo Recording. Original music written and performed by Michael Seifert. Original music, Truth Begins, by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or leave us a rating on our Spotify show page. Do you have a question about something you've heard here today for Colette? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at colettebaronreed.com and your question could appear on a future episode. If you love what you've heard here today, we have so much more to offer. You can access our bonus content, keep up to date with new episode releases, featured guests, and prize giveaways, all by clicking on the link in our description or by visiting us at itwpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.